Good morning. I'm Kathy Kolka, and I'll be reading the scripture today. It's from Micah 6, 6 through 8. Thank you. I know. Is there cake somewhere? I'm thinking, right? It's my birthday today. Thank you. There was a reason I didn't say anything. <laughs> uh, anyway, it's in Micah 6, 6 through 8 in the Old Testament. That's between Jonah and Nahum, in case you need to find it. Make it a little easier, sort of. What does the Lord require? With what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before God on high? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings and calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with ten thousands of rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has told you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God? I turned it off. Uh, let's see, next Sunday is June 9th. Whose birthday is on June 9th? <laughs> really? Okay, you want to read scripture next week? It's going to be fun. We can do this every Sunday. It's going to be Nancy Parsons next week. Perfect. Uh, shall you come before the Lord with your rigorous religious routines, with your early morning prayer schedule, with your worship and life group attendance cards, with your tax-deductible contribution totals? Will the Lord be pleased if you doubled your annual giving to the church? Shall you punish your body for the sin of your soul so as somehow to appeal to the justice of God? Shall you? And Micah says quite clearly, no, the Lord has told you what is good, what is good. The Lord has told you what he requires. He requires that you do justice, that you love kindness, and that you walk humbly with your God. Well, gracious and living God, we pray this morning as we listen to your word and as we meditate on it in our hearts and in our minds. We pray, God, that you would help us not only to understand what the prophet Micah is saying, but we pray that you would help us to live into the reality to which the prophet Micah is pointing. Would you help us today to be people of justice, people of kindness, and people who humbly walk with you? do this in us for your sake we pray amen, amen. so the last several weeks we have been talking about setting sail we had been talking about 
being filled with and empowered by the wind of God. We've been talking about setting sail on a search and rescue mission to search for and rescue people who are lost at sea, people who are shipwrecked, people who are drifting, people who are drowning. We're inviting them on board and we're teaching them how to sail so that we can continue to rescue those who are lost at sea. And so the question is, what does this search and rescue mission look like? What does it look like to set sail at Christ Pacific Church? If you were here last Sunday, then you heard Jericho, our family life minister, begin to answer that question of what it looks like to set sail. As he showed us how Jesus sought out, searched for those who are sick in order to heal them. Jericho helped us see the story of the calling of Levi the tax collector. Jesus sought out Levi the tax collector, a.k.a. sinner, and all of his tax collecting buddies. These guys were the worst of sinners, the ones to whom Jesus went. You see, Jesus went after those who were morally shipwrecked, those who were drowning in their own poor judgment, those who were literally adrift in a sea of sin. Our search and rescue mission looks something like that, reaching out for and rescuing people who are lost. We're going to continue to answer this question, what does it look like at Christ Pacific to seek out and search for those who are lost? And in the coming three weeks, we are going to consider what it looks like to love HB, and yes, Fountain Valley and Costa Mesa, but mostly HB. <laughs> We're going to consider this question. What does it look like to love Huntington Beach? What does it look like to love our neighbors? What does it look like to love our city? And then on June 23rd, we're going to continue talking about that, but we are going to embody that. We're going to do that. We are going to go and love our city. We're going to be the hands and feet of Jesus Christ, specifically on June 23rd. I'm super excited for that. So for the next three weeks, we're going to be addressing this question. How do we love HB? The prophet Micah fills out what that looks like. Micah 6.8 gives us a biblical vision for loving our city. He says we are to do kindness, to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with our God. So today we're going to talk about justice. We're going to talk about doing justice. The next uh, coming weeks, we'll talk about loving kindness and walking humbly. So today, do justice. Now, note that it says, do justice. It does not say, get justice. The prophet Micah says, this is what the Lord requires. This is what the Lord has told you is good to do justice, not get justice. And there's a difference. We're doing justice on behalf of others, not getting justice for ourselves. We're doing justice. We are helping them get what they deserve. We are not insisting that we get what we deserve. And there's a difference. Do you see the difference? Doing justice is outward focused. It's about doing justice on behalf of others. Getting justice is about me. It's about me getting what's due to me. And the Lord says, this is what's required. Do justice. 
So what is biblical justice? What actually does that look like? Well, justice in Scripture, and particularly here in Micah 6.8, justice is about caring for the vulnerable. And this is what we're going to talk about for the rest of the morning. Caring for the vulnerable. Now, the Hebrew word in the Old Testament for justice is this word mishpat. Mishpat. I'm going to be saying that a lot this morning, but you don't need to remember it. Mishpat, biblical justice, means giving someone what is due to him or to her. It means either acquitting or punishing every person based on the merits of the case and nothing less. Right? It's giving someone what is due them. So the negative version of this is that the same wrong should be punished with the same penalty regardless of the person. Right? based on the merits of the case. So in a court of uh, justice, you can imagine if two people commit the same exact crime, justice or mishpat stipulates that they each would receive the same punishment. That would be mishpat. That would be justice. Because it would be unjust, it would not be mishpat, for example, for a white person to receive different punishment than a black person or for a man to receive different punishment than a woman for the same crime, or for a poor person to receive a different punishment than a rich person. Mishpat means giving someone what is due to him or her based on the merits of the case, and that's it. But mishpat doesn't just refer to this kind of punitive justice. And oftentimes when we think of justice, we think in terms of this kind of punitive justice. In other words, giving punishment equitably. That's still kind of a negative thing. Mishpat is also about giving people their rights. It's about giving people what they are due, whether it's payment or protection or care. Whether it's payment or protection or care. Giving people what's due to them. That is what mishpat is, what biblical justice is. And this is why in the vast majority of the 200 plus times that the word mishpat occurs in the Old Testament, the vast majority of the times this word comes up, it is in reference to taking care of widows, orphans, immigrants, and the poor. Widows, orphans, immigrants, and the poor. So for example... Zechariah chapter 7, verses 9 and 10. Thus says the Lord of hosts, render true judgments. That's that word mishpat. Render mishpat, show kindness and mercy to one another. In other words, do not oppress the widow, the orphan, the alien, or the poor. And do not devise evil in your hearts against one another. Why these four groups of people? Why widows, orphans, immigrants, or aliens, and the poor? It's because these are the people in an ancient agrarian society, these are the people who are living at a subsistence level. These are the people who are dirt poor and they have no way out of their poverty. Sometimes we talk about living paycheck to paycheck. These are the people who are living literally hand to mouth. This is why Yale professor Nicholas Wolterstorff calls these four groups of people the quartet of the vulnerable. Who would we include in the quartet of the vulnerable today? 
the refugee, the migrant worker, those struggling with homelessness, many single parents, many elderly people. Mishpat, or biblical justice, is justice rendered on behalf of the vulnerable. It's caring for and protecting the vulnerable. The vast majority of the 200 plus times that this word occurs in the Old Testament, it is in reference to caring for vulnerable people. But why should we be concerned about vulnerable people? Why do we need to highlight a particular segment of the population for our concern? Can't we just be concerned about everybody? Can't we just do justice to and for everybody? Well, good question. The bottom line is that we should be concerned about this quartet of the vulnerable. We should be concerned about them because God is concerned about them over and over again in Scripture. This is why some people have said, have suggested, does God actually have a preferential option for the poor? Does God sort of favor the poor in a way? And that's a decent question because we see over and over again in Scripture that it seems like God has a special place in his heart for those who are vulnerable. I know this is too small for you to read, but listen to Psalm 146. The Lord executes justice for whom? For the oppressed. He gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets the prisoners free. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the strangers. He upholds the orphan and the widow. But the way of the wicked he brings to ruin. Again, in Deuteronomy 10, the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, and it is he who executes justice, mishpat, for whom? For the orphan and the widow, and, who, and he who loves the strangers, providing them with food and clothing. Over and over again throughout Scripture, we see that the Lord takes a special interest in the vulnerable. And Jesus embodied this. Who did Jesus seem to go out of his way to help? The ethnic outsider at the well who had been ostracized by her community, John chapter 4. The widow whose only son had died. The disabled and destitute man at the pool. These are people who are vulnerable, and we are to care for vulnerable people because God cares for vulnerable people. And think about this. How do you introduce yourself? When you are introducing yourself to someone, and it's appropriate for you to say more than just what your name is, how do you introduce yourself? What do you choose to say about yourself? I'm guessing that you might choose to say some of the more significant things about yourself, about who you are, some, uh, some of the things that are significant to your life. Notable. I would say, for example, well, I'm Peter, and, and um, I have the privilege of shepherding a community called Christ Pacific Church. That's a really significant reality in my life and in my calling. I, I get to be the lead pastor at Christ Pacific Church. Do you know how God introduces himself? Many times. 
Just as in Psalm 68, God introduced himself to us as the father to the fatherless and the defender of the widows. This is how God chooses to introduce himself, to describe himself. God, who are you? I am the father to the fatherless. I am the defender of widows. So we can't deny that caring for orphans and widows and by extension, all people who are vulnerable, we can't deny that this is a major priority of God's. God is super into this. It's how he introduces himself because it's one of the most important things about who God is and what God cares about. God cares for the, for the vulnerable. There's this, uh, this guy named um, Vinoth Ramachandra. That's the coolest name ever. Uh, he's a Sri Lankan scholar, and uh, he calls this scandalous justice, scandalous mishpat. And he calls it that because in the ancient world, the gods always associated with the elite of the society. The gods were always associated with the powerful people, the wealthy people, the royal families, the elites. This is how it went in the ancient world. But Yahweh, the God who is revealed to us in the Bible, he doesn't necessarily take his stand with the elites, with the wealthy, with the powerful. God takes his stand with the vulnerable people. And this is scandalous in the ancient world. But he takes his stand with the vulnerable, the weak, the poor, the outsider. And why does the Lord do this? I mean, is it necessary for the Lord to take a stand with the vulnerable? Again, Dr. Ramachandra, Ramachandra, he says the obvious. He says this. He says, well, the problem is, you see, injustice is not equally distributed. Read that again. Injustice is not equally distributed. Who are more often the victims of injustice? The vulnerable people are those who are vulnerable to injustice. Who will defend them? Who will stand up for them? Who will be a voice for them? Who will protect them? Who will care for them? This is why in Scripture, the call for justice for the poor occurs 100 times more often than a call for justice for those who are well off in society. It is 100 times more frequent in the Bible for God and for the call to us to do justice on behalf of the poor than it is on behalf of those who are well-adjusted or well-off in society. There's an emphasis here. The first pastor I ever had, his name was Tim Keller. He wrote a book titled Generous Justice. And uh, he says with these words, he says, Israel was charged to create a culture of social justice for the poor and vulnerable because it was the way the nation could reveal God's glory and character to the world. And interestingly, what nation in the ancient world was poor and small and insignificant and vulnerable? Israel. And Israel was charged to create a culture of justice, care for the vulnerable. 
Because that was how Israel could reveal God's nature and God's character to the world. You want to know what God looks like? We were supposed to be able to look at Israel, the the people of Israel, God's people. We were supposed to be able to look at them and see them doing justice and then say, oh, that's what God must be like. That's what their God is like. That's what Yahweh is like. He's a God who does justice for the vulnerable. Let me translate this. We are charged to create a culture of social justice for the poor and vulnerable because it is the way that you and I can reveal God's glory and character to our city. We are charged with this because this is one of the ways that we can show our neighbors the goodness of God. The Lord has told you what is good. Do justice. Care for the the vulnerable. Be like God in this way. Wow. This is the charge that we have been given. This is why on June 23rd, we are going to go and we are going to love our city in tangible acts of service. Do justice. This is what I think what it means to be a city on a hill, to be a light in the darkness, to be salt for a wounded world. When we create this kind of culture of justice where vulnerable people are cared for, defended, given voice, and honored, then we become a lighthouse. And what do lighthouses do? They direct people to things that they need to look at. We become a lighthouse for God, shining the light on God's character, pointing people to the God of justice, to the father of the fatherless, to the defender of the widow, to the provider for the poor. But how do we do this? How do we do this? How can we become people who do justice for the vulnerable? I mean, come on, it's so unnatural. We do not naturally have what it takes to become defenders of the weak. You and I are not naturally wired up and uh, for defending the weak, for caring for those who are vulnerable. It doesn't come naturally to us. There's nothing in human nature that would lead us to just do this. So how do we do it? I can become or rather, I do become an agent of justice for the vulnerable when I consider this. I once was an outsider to God's grace. I once was a foreigner to God's kingdom. I once was spiritually bankrupt, facing a debt that I could not pay. I was poor. I once was lost. But Jesus Christ stood in my place, a place of spiritual poverty and bankruptcy. That was me. And Jesus Christ paid a debt that I could not pay. He paid my debt, the debt that I owed. I was spiritually bankrupt, poor as dirt. And Jesus paid it all. 
Jesus did justice on my behalf. That's how I become an agent of justice. Tim Keller says it really well. When the Spirit enables us to understand what Jesus Christ has done for us, the result is a life poured out in deeds of justice and compassion for the poor. It's God's grace that makes us just. When the Spirit of the living God helps us to understand and ingest and wrap our minds around the reality that Jesus Christ paid my debt, that reality, when when I grasp that reality, that's when I become a person of justice. That's when I begin to care for others who are also spiritually bankrupt, those who are vulnerable, those who are outsiders, aliens, those who are on the edges, vulnerable people. It's God's grace that makes us just. The prophet Micah says, do justice. Not get justice for yourself. Do justice. Do justice. Care for people who have no recourse for getting justice for themselves. They're called vulnerable people. And we begin to become people like that when we get a grasp of God's grace. So this this I Love HB logo really should look like this, shouldn't it? It's God's grace that makes us just. We're going to move to the communion table. This is the place where we see God's grace set out before us. This is the place where we see that God cares for the vulnerable. This is the place where we see that Jesus stood in your place, paid a debt that you could not pay. This is a place where we are reminded that the justice of God, the justice of God did not fall on my shoulders, but on the shoulders of Jesus Christ. Because Jesus paid the debt that we owed. Jesus did justice on behalf of the vulnerable. You and me. Us.